Wellness Wednesday means it's time for us to get a little time with our buddy, Dr. Michael Roizen from the Cleveland Clinic. Also, more importantly, from longevityplaybook.com, which is where I would like you to go and visit and check it out, try it out, see if there's great information there for you like there is for me so I can live younger and longer. And he, he's working already today. Dr. Roizen, working hard on a Wednesday at the Cleveland Clinic. My friend, good morning and welcome. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you're here, and I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask how was your Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was sensational. We always go to visit my sister, who is in Avon, Connecticut. Her kids were there. Our kids were there. Our kids' kids, her kids' kids. <laughs> Everyone was there, and so Good. it was sensational. And, and you probably know this. People are much more important than food. And so uh, at least we had great people there. I love that when I asked you how your Thanksgiving was, you didn't even bring up the food. You just brought up the people. And that truly is what this great experience of life is all about. It's about the people. It's not about the stuff. And uh, you always focus on the people and trying to make us healthier and living longer and better. Doc, before we get into the research, a lot of people are freaking out. A lot of news reports scaring people saying there's this gigantic outbreak of a respiratory virus in China. Kids are being hospitalized with a pneumonia-like disease. And then I hear there's swine flu in Europe. Are we just oversensitive to seasonal flus now, or is there really something to worry about? Well, there are two components I want to go through with this. One is... In China, the kids didn't get exposed to anything for two years due to the lockdowns. So the normal kids' exposure to viruses um, was delayed and compacted. Right now, it's being compacted where they're being exposed. Kids get viruses, okay? Kids get this all the time. And when kids get this they then can get a bacterial infection, a certain percentage of them do afterwards. That's what normally happens. I mean, it's a normal process. Unfortunately, since they didn't get exposure, they're now all getting exposure. So we don't think it's anything special in China. Okay. That this is the normal exposure. The second thing that we have to be aware of is that the Office of Pandemic Preparedness got a decrease in funding a little bit in the Obama administration. Then it got totally shut off in the Trump administration until, of course, the pandemic hit. And then we weren't prepared for it because the Office of Pandemic Preparedness had been defunded. Well, now they're trying to defund it again and defund a lot of the research at NIH and at the CDC in the new budget proposals. So the first part, don't worry about it. Just do keep your kids exposed. One of the problems with homeschooling is the kids don't get enough socialization. So make sure they get socialization outside of school if you're homeschooling them, obviously. The second component is most people in Congress and in the Senate haven't had enough science education to know that there is a true value in being prepared for these uh, epidemics 
and not just facing them for the first time when they come. So that's the thing about Europe. We don't know what's going on in Europe because a lot of our money, if you will, a lot of the budget for knowing fully what's going on in the CDC budget uh, seems to be vulnerable. I understand what you're saying, and I'm a loud voice for small government. I do think, Doc, this this is a reaction to some of the information we learned about what we were funding around the world in terms of research and, and bio labs in other countries, that people's natural reaction is, hey, we shouldn't be doing that, so cut that out. So there has to be a happy medium. We have to be prepared, but we also need transparency and the ability to know where our money is going. And I, I think that's the battle we're facing right now on that. But um, one more thing on China. Let, let me ask you and, this. And about... by the way, I totally agree with you. Well, thank you. Thank so you. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm just saying there's some things we should we should really understand that if we defund, that we're going to have a problem if a emergency happens. So we got we got to be prepared for the emergencies. That's the problem with knee jerk reactions in any situation. You tend to overreact. And then you have a problem you've created later, which is a, a bigger problem usually. Doc, one more question on China. If this this compression that you talk about and the, the kids were kept away from the natural growth of their, their immune systems because of the pandemic, and now we're experiencing this, this outbreak of this pneumonia-like virus, whatever they're calling, isn't China creating that cycle again if they're going towards lockdowns and maskings? and this kind of thing? Yes. You need immunity against what commonly happens, and so we need to make sure we have this. Yeah, we're building weaker people by isolating them. You know, their bodies aren't allowed to develop the normal immune systems that we grow up with. So China may—I'm sure they're not listening to us, but maybe, maybe they are. Maybe they'll cut it out. All right, Doc, looking at all of your research, wow, there's so much stuff here I want to get to. If I see the word sleep in any of your research, I immediately go there. Uh, This one deals mostly with women. Short sleep duration impairs insulin sensitivity in women. Uh, What is short sleep duration and how is that insulin sensitivity important? Insulin sensitivity is what makes glucose, sugar, go from our um, blood into cells. So insulin is like a mailman delivering sugar out of your blood where it can create problems and into your cells where it is useful in producing energy. Mm -hmm. So now short sleep, if you will, duration in these women was an hour and a half less. So they didn't let the women sleep as long as normal. And that change was associated with a about a 30% increase in the inability in getting sugar from the blood into the cells. That means that sleep, which we always knew was important for metabolic health, it directly affects the way your system functions 
to get rid of sugar and to give you energy. Okay. Now, the, the interesting thing is we don't know why this occurs. That is, what is doing this is unknown in this study. Two things come to mind on this. When you talk about the the blood and insulin and moving the sugars into your cells, are, are those known as glycogen stores? Is that what those are? Well, sugar long-term in your cells, that is that you don't use yeah. excess sugar that gets in your cells is stored as glycogen. That's a good way of storing it, meaning okay. it can be used for energy. That's a benefit. The excess sugar that stays in your blood, that's bad because it, what we call, puts a sugar on your proteins and causes your proteins to be dysfunctional. Let me give you a better example of that. If you, we know that hemoglobin is a protein that's in our blood. And when you get hemoglobin A1C, that's a hemoglobin with a sugar on it. It's the way we measure control in type 2 diabetes. But it has another badness. It doesn't deliver oxygen as well to your tissues. Mm. So hemoglobin A1C is just a hemoglobin with a sugar on it from excess sugar in your blood. And that causes lack of oxygen, which causes ulcers, which causes amputations, which causes kidney disease, which causes lack of oxygen to your heart, lack of oxygen to your brain, and leads to heart attacks and dementia. Wow. And it's all linked. That's what I'm learning. All of this is linked when you talk about sleep tied to the insulin sensitivity in women, and that gets tied to type 2 diabetes, which type 2 diabetes is something we have a hand in preventing. And you have a, another piece of research here that says type 2 diabetes is now linked to increased risk for colorectal cancer. That's That should wake people up. Well, what we know is that sugar in your blood feeds cancer cells. So the cancer cells require sugar to grow and propagate. And one of the most, the strongest cause of their propagation is in fact sugar in your blood. So we know that sugar is very bad if you wanna prevent cancer. So added sugars, added syrups, I had on my own podcast, you know, it's You, the Owner's Manual podcast, which will come out sometime in the next week. And I had Richard Johnson on. He's a professor at the University of Colorado, but he's, he has come up with the hypothesis and now fairly sizable proof that fructose, that specific sugar, fructose, often found in corn, corn syrup, high, high fructose corn syrup, or corn sugar, as it's now called, that causes a lot of problems separate from everything else. Why? Because the fructose gets into your body and you use energy to metabolize it immediately into fructose 1-phosphate, which makes every cell think it is short of energy and causes the cells to send a signal, eat more because you're short of energy. And that's why we have we, we think we gain weight. It's also why fructose 
eventually gets metabolized to some other things that cause not only weight gain, but other specific problems for you. And in addition, it feeds cancers. Is there any substance on the planet really worse for humans to consume than high fructose corn syrup? I mean, seriously, it's one of the things I try and keep out of our diets here, but it's in everything in this country. It just seems like it is the source of a whole bunch of bad stuff, and we ought to get rid of it. Unfortunately, we're beginning to think you're right. Remember, until the 1950s, we were a calorie-short society, even in the United States. We didn't have enough food, and around the world we were short. So this was a great way of providing excess calories or calories that we needed and were otherwise short of. Now we um, have a different point of view on that and, in fact, think that we don't need any of those calories. So great idea to begin with, wonderful way of providing excess. The, the needed calories, now no use. Yeah. If you can spend some time reading labels, people, to get rid of high fructose corn syrup will help you overall in your health. And it's just tough to do because it's everywhere. You might have to spend a couple more pennies on food, but you're doing that anyway. Doc, uh, I have time for another question. I want to get to this one. We talked about reducing sugar, reducing high fructose corn syrup. Sodium also appears on the list of public health enemies. And a sodium reduction in your diet can lower blood pressure in seniors. Isn't that common knowledge that too much salt jacks up your blood pressure? Yes. But we just got to keep getting the message out because there's too much salt everywhere. That's right. Okay. Um, that's exactly right. Now, I want to go over, I know we missed a week last week. Yes. And I, and there was one key study I want to go over from last week, if I can. Of course. It is called MYC, a new drug-like molecule called MYC. And I'll tell you what MYC stands for in a second extends lifespan and boosts muscle function by restoring mitochondrial function. This was looked at a survey of drugs by the Buck Institute, and they just happened to find one that helped recycle your mitochondria. So your mitochondria are the energy factories in your cells. They take fat and sugar and turn it into ATP. We use that ATP, adenosine triphosphate, and uh, creatinine triphosphate to give us energy in our all of our body, including in our muscles. Well, they found out this drug essentially causes a recycling. So as your mitochondria get damaged, as we get older, we get less energy. That's what we think is causing the lack of energy as we get older, our DNA in our mitochondria, we have separate DNA in our mitochondria, gets damaged by environment and by producing energy. Well, this recycles it, breaks down all the parts of your mitochondria, throws out the old ones, creates the new one replacement, and then puts it into new mitochondria so the animals have a lot more energy. Just imagine if this is approved, if we get this for humans and it works in humans, you're going to be like a three-year-old running around on the golf course chasing four golf balls per hole rather than just two. <laughs> yeah, wow, this is amazing. So this is a drug called MEC. 
Is that the name of the drug right now, Mick? Well, that's the short name okay. for it. It's mito- mitochondrial recycling compound. Wow. So it, it takes that, that little engine in our cells of the mitochondria that creates our energy, and that breaks down over time, and over, it just wears out, too, and can completely or possibly just significantly recycle it, re-energize it, and then get us back to a more youthful mitochondria, and that means a whole bunch more energy. Exactly. Okay, what's the timeline on this? Because I'm having a tough week. Well, I'm going out to the Buck Institute, uh, giving a talk there December 8th. I'm going out there, so uh, uh, the week of December, whatever it is, 12th or something, when I'm on on that Wednesday, I'll tell you everything I know about it. I'm going to grill you like a cheese sandwich, Dr. Roy. I said, I can't wait to hear about this, and we, maybe we'll get a timeline on it, see how realistic it is in our lives. That's, that's good news. His name is Dr. Michael Royce. You can find him. On social media, he's got a great Twitter slash X account. He's with me every week, but always on longevityplaybook.com, longevityplaybook.com. And, Doc, what's the name of your podcast again so people can track it down? It's called You, the Owner's Manual. It's downloadable from iHeart, etc., but also at radiomd.com. RadioMD.com, you, the owner's manual. This is great. Always great stuff. Thank you again, my friend. Look forward to it next week.